Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. All right, we're starting a new series today, and this will be our, our, our summer series. And the title of the series is, Is There More to Life? A point in question that at some point in your life you will ask this question. But we are drawing lessons from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be in this series for the next nine weeks. And uh, the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Meaningless. Meaningless. Ecclesiastes is one of the poetic books in the scriptures. It's a complex book, but like I said, it's a pointing book. Uh, it, it includes the stories uh, or really the, the questions of King Solomon. King Solomon was believed to be the author, and it's believed that he wrote in his old age. Now, he was the king who succeeded David in the kingdom of Israel, and he ruled at about 970 B.C., so about a thousand years before Christ. He was the king of, of uh, Israel, and uh, it's, it's a book that, that it's believed to be written about some 3,000 years ago, and he presents himself as the wealthiest man of his time. He presents himself as the man who had wisdom, who had learned in all sorts of matters, and he was seen as the wisest man of his time. And he, he had the power, he had the success, he had the ability to do whatever he wanted because he was king and he was rich and he had the time to do it. And so he shared some of his realizations in this book and his questions and also some of his conclusions that he had in his old age. And some of them, I believe, will resonate with us. And so we're going to explore in the next few weeks the idea behind this book. But let me ask you this question. What are some of the things that you are looking forward to in this season of your life? Maybe you're here today, and, 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 but you're thinking about the next few months, next couple months, maybe next five years, then maybe it's a longer plan. But what are you looking forward to? What are some of the things that you're pursuing? It's uh, 4th of July weekend. Maybe you're thinking about your American dream, right? This pineapple shirt is my American dream today. <laughs> but what are, you, what are you looking forward to? What is the dream that you have? Is it a new promotion? Maybe it's a big purchase that you're looking forward to, a house or, or maybe a boat. Maybe you're looking forward to earning your degree. You're working hard at it. Or maybe you want to go on a trip that you've been dreaming about, some place that you've been hoping to visit. We all have pursuits, we all have goals, we all have an aim, and we should. It's important. It's part of our growth. It's part of our personal growth plan. Right? Scripture says in, in, in Proverbs 29, 18, that if there's no revelation, people cast off restraint, meaning people just let live. You know, They have no focus. They'll just do whatever. But blessed is the person who heeds wisdom's instruction and so we have this conflict that we deal with as humans 
We're designed to have a drive. We're designed to pursue. We're designed to have a focus, something that we're aiming at. We're designed to have a goal. We're designed to have something to move toward to. Toward to. Toward. Some people say toward, right? Some people say toward. I got confused in the middle right there. Which, which way do I go? Whether you're a type A personality, where are my type A people? Huh? The type A people always like to self-identify themselves. Have you, ever, have you ever heard anybody say, I'm a type B personality? No. You never hear the type B people manifesting themselves. You always hear, I'm such a type A. You know, I, I'm really driven. I really like things my way. And there's always a little bit of bragging underneath, you know. It's like, yeah, it's tough. You know. <laughs> it's so hard to be this awesome. You know. <laughs> well, you could be a type A person, achiever, driven. Or maybe you're a type B person, more collaborative, more easygoing, more patient. You're going to live longer. <laughs> it's got to be some cred given to the type P people. You know, they keep us all together. Whatever, wherever you are, you, you need something to look forward to. You need, you need a purpose. You need a goal. Because lack of it leads to depression. Lack of it means, like Proverbs says, you cast off restraint. You're just going to do whatever comes to mind, whatever is suggested, and it's typically not good. And so you need, most of us, we need that. And we know that. We know that because in part of our development, every single person, we have, we have this understanding of the joy of accomplishing something. Early in life, we experienced these little small wins that weren't so small back when we experienced them. Think about the first time you learned how to swim, for those of you who know how to swim. It was such an awesome experience. The first time you learned how to ride a bicycle. Some of you have to go way back. I'm in that too, right? But the joy of being able to maneuver that piece of equipment, right? First time you swung a, ba a, ba a baseball and you hit it just right. I've never done it, but I, I know the feeling. I've swung, I've swung some other things. The day you got your driver's license. Right? All of these achieve achievements, a long life, they inform us the importance of having a new goal. The importance of having a new summit. The importance of looking forward to the next thing. And we all do that. We all have a new challenge in front of us that we're looking forward to. But it's some, somewhere along the way, and this happens to all of us, somewhere along the process we develop this notion that there will come a day where we will have the achievement of all achievements. The goal of all goals that will finally complete us. The thing that we're going to get to that will finally make life whole. That all your life, all of your achievements, I pointed to this one greater thing. And whether you know what that thing is, or you don't know what that thing is, or you think you know what that thing is, somehow we're all moving toward it. We're all moving in pursuit of it. Because we want to know that there is completion. 
We want to know that we're moving towards something that's, that's going to be completion. That we're going to conclude this thing. We're living for something. We want to know that we're not just moving in circles. That our efforts are not emotionally and mentally just going around and doing the same sequence of pursuits, the same sequence of, th of things that bring happiness, and then the happiness fades. That fleeting happiness, right? A brief moment of achievement where you get the joy and you get that emotional kick, and then you got to look for the next thing because you don't feel that sense of achievement any longer. And that's exactly what Solomon sought to find out. That was his pursuit. That's what he strived to learn and to explore. And perhaps it's why many people consider Solomon the wisest person to ever live. See, it's not because he was perfect in every choice he made, because he wasn't. If you read through the scriptures, Solomon had made really serious blunders. Things that God specifically told him not to do. Things that God specifically told him not to engage in, he went and did it. So he had some really dumb moves that he made. But he's considered by many one of the wisest people. It's in the book. He might have written it. And I think this is why. It's because he actually pursued these questions. He used his life to pursue these, these deep questions that we all want the answer for. And he answered them. Questions like, is there more to life? 3,000 years ago, people were asking the same question. Is there more to life? It's a longer answer that he gives, but he starts concisely. He starts his answer emphatically. He doesn't give any, any fluff in his answer. It's right at the beginning of the writings. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. You can follow on the screens. Look at what he says. The words of the teacher, son of David, David king in Jerusalem. This is what leads us to believe it was Solomon because he was the only son of David who was king in Jerusalem. And he answers, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. All right, everybody, it was great being with you today. I think this is the... <laughs> Could you imagine? Excuse me, everything. Are you saying everything, Solomon? I get if you're talking about material things, because anything you can see or touch, you can call it meaningless. We have the tendency to think now in our modern a scientific mind that things that you can see and touch and, and that you can perceive with your natural senses are actually truer than things that you don't see. But everyone knows that more, the more, more meaningful things in life are abstract things, things that you can't actually touch, things that are of no physical form or shape. Love being the highest one, we all know that love is one of the most meaningful things you can experience. And then right after love, you have wisdom, joy, peace, purpose, pleasure. And we pursue these things. We value these things. We know these things. And here comes Solomon saying, hey, everything is meaningless. Everything. Another translation says everything is vanity. Like it's vain. It's not worth anything. It has no value. 
And Solomon tells us that he made his mission in life. It was his mission to use all of his resources, all of his power to try to draw meaning from the things that he could achieve himself. And he sought to pursue it. In the first two chapters, he gives a summary of these things. It's a 12-chapter book, so we're going to spend uh, uh, the next two months in it, as I said. But I'm going I'm to just give you the summary that he gives in the early part of the book. Because he settles on three things that we're going to highlight today. Now, this may put you a little bit down. I promise you it's encouraging, all right? But he just, he just lays it out for us. And this is from a guy who had all the wealth and, and access in the world. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says, I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What, is, what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Verse 18, he says, For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. And this is the part where he says, Wisdom is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. He says, I've seen all things done under the sun. In other words, I have seen the actions of people. I have seen their potential. I have seen their reality. I have seen their suffering. I have seen how the world works. I've heard stories. I've observed challenges. I've witnessed victories. I've seen defeats. And the more I knew, the more it hurt. The more wisdom I gathered, the more I realized how powerless I was. And we know this, don't we? How many times have you witnessed a situation where you knew the answer? You knew how to get to the resolution. You knew the solution. You knew what needed to be done. But you saw everything collapse in front of your eyes. Maybe it was even in your life. How many situations are you facing right now where you know what needs to be done? You have the answer. You know, you have the wisdom, you have the knowledge, but there's something about it barring you from resolving the issue. And because you know, you suffer. Because you know, it hurts. You're dealing with pain, or maybe you're dealing with hurt, or maybe limited resources, and, and you're running against time. Maybe you're thinking, life is not long enough for me to solve all of these problems. And what good is it to know when you can't get there? What, is, what good is it to know what you want? What good, is, what good is it to know the solution to someone else's problem if you're not able to help? What good is it to know the wisdom to stop the problems from people around you when you're powerless to do so? And you continue to see them fall in the same pit over and over and over again. We all have people around us that we've, we've witnessed at least one experience like this. And I've talked to some of you. I've heard some of your stories. And just in hearing some of your stories, the things that you've gone through, the things that you're going through, it grieved me. And so, yes, 
I think we can all identify with the preacher. We can all identify with what Solomon is writing here, that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can puff up your wisdom, you can puff up your knowledge, and you can quote books, and you can know peculiar things about life and have general knowledge, but when it comes to seeing how the world functions, when it comes to seeing people's problems and challenges, what can you do all by yourself? What can your knowledge produce all by yourself? If not worry, maybe some grief. And so he realizes wisdom is meaningless. And he continues. He says pleasure is meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. We'll skip to verse 11. He says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, he lists everything that he had done. And then he says, When I surveyed all the things my, my hand had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He built houses, he built gardens, he built, built parks. He talks about how he, he built pools of water to water his forests. How many of us can say that? I just planted a forest and I put some pools there to water my, my, my I don't know what that accent is, but to water my, my trees. I gathered gold from other kings, he says. I enjoyed the arts. I had private concerts. I enjoyed music. I had people sing for me. I enjoyed heavy women in my company and laughter and I enjoyed wine. And after I did it all, he says, and experienced all and did all the amazing things, I thought to myself, eh, eh. <laughs> when I got to this part of the book, I thought maybe we should remain Ecclesiastes, the man who was hard to please. Because really, Solomon? You sound like a spoiled prince, you know? I had the grapes and I had the figs and I had the gardens and the people and the music and it's all vanities, vanities of vanities. Any of us, we look at this list and we think, give me half of that. Just give me half of that. Minus the women, one good woman is okay. You know, just one good woman. Praise God for my wife. Love you, babe. Give me half of that, right? But here's a man who was able to do things by his own strength and might. Someone who was accomplished. Someone who had the time, who had the resources, who had people under his command to allow him to experience all kinds of pleasure. And he did. And in the end, he's depressed because he finds himself at zero. He finds himself with no gain. He says, you know what? This life is a zero-sum game. I have gained nothing after all that I've done and experienced. I'm the same. Have you been there? Have you ever felt that way? The party seems nice. The company seems fun. The trip was awesome. The food is delicious. But the next day, you're still empty. 
You know, a week later, it's like it never happened emotionally in your soul, in your mind. And so you go back at it to make other plans. A bigger party, a bigger trip. You party a little harder, you travel a little further. Maybe this next trip is going to be the one. Maybe this next experience is going to be the one. Maybe the next relationship will give me what I need and I'll find that completion. I'll be able to complete my life. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't move on. Maybe you stay exactly where you are. Frustrated a little bit. Wondering what life would be like if you did move on. But you don't because you know it would be wrong. But the question lingers, what if I did? What if I walked away from it all? What if I tried something new? If you've ever felt that way, then you can agree with Solomon that, that, that pleasure is meaningless. The things that you have searched and experienced, they are meaningless because they leave you empty. And so he moves on to the next thing. Purpose. What you do with your hands, work, toil. And then he says, work is meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 17 through 19. So I hated life, you think? I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet I will have control over all they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. And here's when you realize that this, this is not a spoiled brat that's hard to please. He's not complaining about life. He's, he's asking the real questions. He's asking the deep questions. He's not running away from the questions that we all sometimes run away. Questions that we avoid. Questions that we don't want to ask. He's asking them, is this all worth it? What is it all for? Why do I wake up every day and go to work? Like, why do I do this? If we're going to soon die and leave it all behind, who is this all for? Sure, my children might enjoy it. Maybe my grandchildren. But then what? What's going to happen to the house? What's going to happen to the yard? What's going to happen to the company? Is this it? What's going to happen to the clients in the end? If it all stays behind and goes to another to do whatever they please, what do you actually keep? What is actually yours? What stays with you in life? What do you gain that at the end of life you think, all right, it's added to me, actually added to me. And if it doesn't stay with you, was it even truly yours? Was it even part of you? The deeper questions, like this one, was it meant to be yours? Now think about this, like most of us, we spend our time in a similar way. Most of us work an average of 40 hours a week. Some of us work more. Some of us have two jobs. Some of us work a little less because we have other obligations. 
But the average is that we all spend about a third of our life working, toiling. And most of us give the best of our lives to that span of time. You wake up, you shower, you have your breakfast, you do whatever you got to do, and then you head to work. And at work, you have the best of your mental capacity. You get, you get your best humor. You get all the jokes there. And, and, and you, you have your best life there. And, 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 then, and then you go home and you're tired. And you, for those of you who have family or wife or you know, other people living with you, and, and they get the rest. But we all understand that it's okay because you're building something, right? You're either providing for the family or you're, you're, you're building something. But we, we have this common idea that it's okay to give your best to your work. It's okay to give the best of your mental capacity, the best of your humor, the best of your, of your strength to this company, this group of people, this mission. They get to get the best version of you. But, but if that's true, you, you have to at least ask the question, is it going to be worth it? Is it worth it? I know it's acceptable because you got to, it's honorable. You have to provide for your family. But is it worth it? If you're going to give the best of your life to a job, it better be the one that's meant to be yours. Now think about this. Solomon was a king. You can't get any higher than king. And he was a king in an era where he just didn't own a palace. He owned the country. It was all his. And he said, hey, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. And I hate it. That's a strong word. I despise it. Have you ever gotten to the point where you hated your job? Don't say it. I know some of you are there right now. You hated having to get up in the morning. You hated having to walk away from your loved ones. You hated having to say bye to your spouse. Or you hated, but you did it. You did it because it was necessary. You did it because you needed to feed your family. You did it because it was taking you somewhere. It was probably a step in toward your dreams. And, but you did it. But at the end of every day, you felt this, this numbing sensation thinking, today was pointless. Today, I just wasted my time. Now imagine being a king and getting to the end of your life in your old age, feeling that way, that all that you did was for nothing. Solomon makes the case that this is our destiny. He makes the case that this is the future of every man and woman. Unless there is hope, okay? Unless we realize one thing. And he's going to give us an answer here. He's going to begin to take us through his findings because he identified that there's a part of our lives that can change all of these feelings and situations. And if, if you've identified with any part of this message thus far, if it has hit home for you, this is the part where you lean in, okay? This is the part where you glean because... There's a way out of this meaninglessness. And King Solomon figured it out. And so he's, he writes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 and 26, he says, A person can do better, can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God 
For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless and chasing after the wind. Who can find enjoyment in life without God? What a powerful question. Solomon begins to share his findings, right? He talks about, you know, one toils and labors and seeks wisdom and seeks pleasure by his own means. And the one who does, who does that will arrive at nothing. It'll be meaningless. But the person who delights in the Lord, the person who chooses to please God, will not only receive from God what, what they desire, but the toil of those who are apart from God will end up in the hands of those who please the Lord. And he says, and for those who live apart from God, that toil is meaningless because it's going to end up in the hands of those who please the Lord. Friends, life is not easy. There is suffering. There are real questions, real challenges that you deal with. There is pain. And many of you have witnessed deep, deep pain. And we've, you've experienced the amount of despair that life can bring. And Solomon was right. Knowledge does bring grief. Pleasures of this world, they are meaningless in the end. He was right. Work, toil, it's finite. It's temporary. Everything dies. And everything ends. But it is from God. And only from God that we get true joy and true satisfaction. And so I have a challenge for you today. I have an encouragement for you today. Decide it in your heart that you will please the Lord every day. It's simple. But I want to encourage you to do that. Decide in your heart that you will please the Lord every day. This is going to do a few things. Because if you decide in your heart that you will please the Lord with your wisdom. If you decide in your heart that you will please the Lord with your knowledge. It's going to change how you acquire and how you distribute your wisdom and knowledge. If you decide that you will please the Lord with your pleasures. With what you seek and what you experience. It's going to change how you seek those things. If you decide you were going to please Him with your work, it's going to change your countenance. It's going to change your attitude at your job. You're going to get to work tomorrow if you're going. And you're going to see it as your mission field. You're going to see it as a place where you can please the Lord. That changes everything. And it's not just about your job description. It's about a higher calling. Decide that you're going to honor God with the toil of your hands. And you're going to notice two things happen. Your experience will change your mind. You know, as you, as you devote yourself to pleasing the Lord, there will be a change of mind. You're going to organize your life differently. You're going to make different decisions, different choices. You're going to value different things. You're going to be Less stressed, hopefully no stress. 
You're going to feel a release in your life. And you're also going to experience this. You're going to realize that your life has eternal significance. Because it does. You need to know this today. Your life has eternal significance. Your investment, your relationships with people, they have eternal significance. You're going to realize that God has called you not to just build a company, not to just eat or drink or be merry, not to just be knowledgeable for your own gain, but God has placed you on this planet at this point in time to bless people, to be a light in dark places, to use your wisdom and your pleasures and your toil and your work to love God, to love His people, and to change this world. That's what He has done. That's what He has called you to do. And so I want to encourage you to do that, to look at these points in life. And whenever you're facing a situation and you feel like, I feel like this is pointless. I feel like this is meaningless. Ask yourself the question, did you, did you choose to please the Lord with that experience? Did you have God in mind? Because if, when you realize that, when you, when you place your life in God's hands, what Solomon said becomes true you realize this, that anything that's worthwhile is what comes from the Lord. Anything that's worthwhile in life is what God provides for you. Any direction that's worth taking is the direction that God leads you to. Any, anything that you, that you will think, man, this is transformative and it's going to last. It's what God puts in your hand. And if you do that, He will take you places you've never dreamed of. And you will have a sense of satisfaction and purpose, a sense of satisfaction and purpose that you've never had in your life. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.